most important. All right, last up, um, and this is an old favorite, Union, Union Pacific. Pacific, ticker UNP. This is the company that brought the railroad to San Francisco. And, so, and uh, you know, if you, if you actually look or over... Sacramento. I forget where they went exactly. If you, um, if you actually look on your sheet, which is interesting, because I didn't know this. I'm a New Yorker. So the company was founded in 1969, which meant that they actually probably got a railroad out to San Francisco at around 1971. That's right, around when they were finishing the freeway out there. Uh, yeah, you know, that's got to be kind of a typo. Because you think? Union Pacific. Because I know San Francisco isn't yeah. really nearly as developed no. as New York, and I just well, thought maybe we had just started the, to <laughs> get, the get the railroad out there and building. I've never yeah. really been there. I no, mean, that's a good idea. Why would I? Um, no, I think that it was... Uh, been around uh, longer than yeah, that. Yeah, there's a couple... There's some good books about that whole railroad building phenomenon that in the, I believe was... In the 70s? Uh, in the, in the 70s, yeah. And it was great to watch. You know, I remember we took we took a, you know, 640 acres out in Nebraska. We watched them build that railroad right through the back. And yeah. a lot of Indians uh, back then. Yeah. My grandpa... He They're still there. Lost, yeah, are lost still there. his uh, scalp out there. But uh, anyway, Union Pacific... <clears throat> Railroad. What do I like about railroads? Well, for the first time, I mean, here in the shop, we have a lot of uh, railroad, uh, you know, themes in Enthusiasts. the portfolio. Well, for the first time in, you know, literally 100 years or since the truck was invented in the last few years, railroad infrastructure and capital spending is moving at a you know higher rate than uh, for trucks and road infrastructure. And the reason is fuel costs are such a level where, um, you know, the efficiency of railroads is just a winning. And the other thing that's happened is railroads, which 100 years ago, you know, didn't know what service levels were. You know, they were going to come into town around Tuesday. They finally gotten to where they can kind of make four-hour delivery windows and things like that. So they've been brought into the modern era on logistics and customer service, and they've got this giant cost advantage. So they've gained share, and uh, these guys are putting up a – so you can see here, Mo, a consistently improving EBITDA margin, 26, 29, 30, 34, 38, 37. I guess you could technically call that a downtick. And then 41. And on the EBIT line, again, 18, 20, 23, 24, 29, 29, 32. Return on assets, single digits, but moving up the whole time, ending at 8. Return on equity last year, 18, this year, 19. And debt to cap, 30%. They've got that well covered. Enterprise value to EBITDA, so cash on cash return, it's nine times. I do the inverse, one over nine, 11%. And in railroads, you have to pretty well count on, you know, GDP kind of growth. Maybe a little bit less because you're hauling the kind of stuff that's not the fastest growing stuff. So... Uh, but the good news is, or maybe it's the bad news, it's good news and bad news. The good news is these guys, I think, are the one of the top, maybe the largest railroad in the country or second. I can't, I don't know for sure. But they're not going anywhere, and neither is the advantage of rail. So, again, this isn't a treasury, but I will suggest that even if the United States government can't pay you back for whatever reason, these railroads are going to be delivering coal, wood, furniture, whatever it is, cars all over the country, and you're going to get paid. They're also putting up a, a dividend yield of 2%, which is pretty good. But I'm looking at the 11% cash-on-cash return, 
a GDP type growth of maybe 3%. So I've got a 14, 13, 14% total return um, with the way I might look about it, almost no risk. Because do you need a railroad uh, to stay warm and eat? Yeah. So Union Pacific, ticker UNP. What do you think about that, Mo? Kind of quiet over there. I am kind of quiet. Um, here's what I was looking at. I was getting my thoughts together. Um, first thing I was looking at was, you know, this is a, this is a railroad company. So when you have a company that's got, uh, you know, steel and rolling stock, and you, you, you do want to say what's going on with their assets. And uh, if you go back, you look from like 2009, their assets have gone up and have gone up pretty, pretty consistently every single year. At the same time, their long-term debt has been trending down ever so slightly, and not surprisingly, your assets are going—you know, your assets are going up, your debt's going down, and uh, so your book value per share has been going up, and it's gone from 33 to 36 to 38. It's now, you know, it's like 42, 42 and a half bucks a share, which means this is a stock trading at 2.9 times book. I don't know. You said there's a lot of railroad themes you're starting to look at. Is that a big number per book? Is it reasonable? Well, book is it these low? days is so dependent on uh, how many write-offs that they have taken. You know, you can't really rely on Real the book. book anymore. I do know that, uh, I don't think it says it here, but, you know, a number of years ago, um, Warren Buffett bought Burlington Northern, and he kind of brought a little bit of, you know, uh, you know, just good, thoughtful financial expertise to these railroads, which are 100-year-old companies. I mean, the reason there's a bond market is because of the railroads. That's how, at least a corporate bond market, that's how far back they go. And I think that there could have been a lot of, uh, you know, write-offs and such, which would help your return on assets. Like, you see this consistent improvement in return on assets. I want to say that's due to improved productivity, but if you look at the assets, uh, have they been growing slower than capital spending? If so, then you know they're taking some write-offs on old equipment and things like that. I know there were a lot of acquisitions the last decade where, you know, there's fewer railroads now. There's been a lot of combinations and, you know, maybe a lot of write-offs of duplicate track and things like that. So I And are they through that are they through that cycle? Are they through this this part of the uh, the steep part I, I would of the think depreciation so. cycle? In I which would think case so. then you'd you'd see a resumption. So is that two times two point nine times book make them look to you as a value guy? Not on book it does not. Okay. I mean I don't trust that book. To me Got book it. book you you just have to look at the uh, you know the, the, the incrementals uh, in terms of you don't know what's in that book because it could be is there a hundred years of stuff in there? I mean, I looked at the rails but if we're twenty to, years but if, ago. But if we're going to assume that we're in the we're in the final stages of the, the cleanup cycle, maybe we at what point do you begin to believe in the book? Begin to see well, that. Well, one way to check the book is just to check the ROE. So they're doing a twenty percent return on equity, and they're saying the book is so that's and the, and the stock is trading at uh, what you say three times book. Yep. So if if book were if the stock were trading at one times book, then the book would be uh, three times as big, right? Yes. And then the return on equity would be one third as big. So all I need to do is say, hey, let's write up some of those assets, and I've got now a one times book, and I've got a six point five. 
5% return on equity. So one thing I always do to check the validity of the book is to say, if I bought a bunch of stuff right now with money from right now, what return would I get on that? And I have to believe that if you went out and had to duplicate the assets of Union Pacific Corp, that you might earn a 6% return. I mean, that doesn't sound Wait like a, a crazy minute. low number. Right. And here's, here's the thing. You can't duplicate a lot of these assets because some of these assets are rights of way. Right. So, right. so in that case, the, maybe the book has validity because they have little monopolies of gates and things that you, you, know, you can't possibly... Unless you want a railroad coming through your backyard because they're going to well, try to Well, I wouldn't mind that personally. But no, I mean, I think your point's very valid, Mo. It could be that the book... Is really it is really worth four times be because undervalued. you could never duplicate that in a million years. Right. I mean, if you owned, you know, New York Harbor, you owned it. Uh, what would it be worth? I mean, a lot. My family actually does, does own a well, not well, all. Of that it. would explain a lot. A lot actually, of it. Mo. So, New York Harbor. but that's my thought. I think I don't look at book as much anymore because I don't know what's behind it. But um, I, I do think the book in this case. It could very well be worth four times books. Some of these assets right, they which got is where, 150 uh, years ago, right, you know? Which is where that, where that saying comes from. Yeah. You can't judge a book by its cost. By its value. By its value. Oh, value. Yeah.